You know, uh, we sang a couple songs, and, and a couple of those songs basically say that God can do anything. Y'all believe that? Yes, amen. Is there anything God can't do? Is there anyone that God can't save? Oh, I'm glad y'all said that. How many said that? I think everybody. All right, good. Praise the Lord. You know, Pastor Mark taught a series over the last couple months or so, about the last month or so, on the true, one true God. Yes. The one true God. A lot of false gods out there, but one true God. On May 9th, he taught us that the one truth about God is that he is love. God is love. He alone is love itself. That is who he is. That's who God is. Mark gave us, Pastor Mark gave us a lot of verses about showing the love of God. For example, God sent his son Jesus to die on that cross for the sins of the world, yet we were sinners. He died for us. That's how much he loves us. Pastor Mark brought it out for several uh, for several weeks about who God was. You see, we, we receive mercy, grace, salvation, and power of the Holy Spirit because God loves us. We've got this power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. I wish he was standing here because I'd move out of the way and let him teach. But the power of the Holy Spirit is in every Christian. That's how much he loved us. He said, I'm going to give you me in you. That's how much he loved us. And still does. And since God loves us, he calls us to love others. Love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he has called us in Matthew 28 to go out and love others. You know many denominations don't go out and even evangelize? He's called us, sitting in this room, to go out. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he promises the Holy Spirit. And he says, when you get that Holy Spirit, when that Holy Spirit falls, you're going to go and be my disciples. You're going to go out and witness. He doesn't, hey, listen, he doesn't say you might go out and witness. He says you you will go out and witness. When the Holy Spirit falls, you will go out and witness. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world, he's talking to us. And he says, you will, but so many won't. That's grieving the Holy Spirit, by the way. That so many won't even mention Jesus and call themselves Christians. This is going to be a tough message tonight. So before I go any farther, I'm going to pray. Lord God, I just pray, God, right now, you've given me a word to speak. You gave it to me. God, let me speak it in your power and not mine. Let me speak the truth in love. Let me speak what you've put on my heart and you told me to speak tonight, God. Let me not speak anything other than what you've told me to speak. God, right now, right now, I pray that we prepare our hearts right now at this part of the service. Get ready and prepare our hearts. God, I pray you would open everyone's heart in here, their mind, their ears. God, I pray right now that we would leave this place with the passion for the lost. With compassion in our heart, God, I pray that right now in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So here's the question. Are we really called to go out and love people that are living in sin? 
and I mean sin. Are we ready to do that? Because you see, God hates sin, but he loves every single creature that he created. There's not a person that he's created over these thousands of years that he doesn't love with a passion. He doesn't want anyone not to go to heaven, not one to perish, not one person, but he hates sin. That's hard for us to balance as Christians. Because we're like, that person's horrible. I'm not, I'm not going to talk to that person. Well, let, me, let me just give you a couple verses of love that Pastor Mark brought up. 1 John 3, 18. Dear children, let us not love with words and tongue, but with actions and truth. With actions and truth. Don't sit here in the church and say, I'm a Christian. Well, I love people and everything, and then go out and do nothing. Actions and truth. 1 John 4.16, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Wow. Wow, wait a minute. Let me read that again. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. That's called the Holy Spirit, by the way. Do we really feel the power of the Holy Spirit when we leave each morning and say, God, allow me to speak to somebody today that needs me because I want to go out and love. I want to live that love out. I don't want to save that love for when I walk into this place and I hug Gary and I hug, I hug all my friends because I love every one of you in here. But there are sinners out there. And they need that same kind of love and they need that same kind of hug. They need that kind of passion. They want to know that you love them. I went and spoke in downtown Fort Worth to the homeless. And one guy came up to me and said, you know what's different about you? And I go, what? And he goes, everybody tells us about Jesus, but you actually hugged me and lugged on me. Can we do that? Can we hug the sinners? See, here's the, here's the title of my message. We need to be hating what God hates, and we need to be loving who God loves. Here's the problem. People in America, even myself at many times, I'm not sure what God hates. We're called to hate like God hates. Unfortunately, many Christians don't read the Bible and don't know the Word. And so they don't know, what, what does our creator of the universe hate? Because a lot of people say, there's no way God hates. He's all love. He is all love. But, he's, but he hates sin. And he hates what he's seeing going on around our country right now. He hates all the division. He hates all the, the crime. He hates all the stuff that's going on all around our country. He hates sin. But he loves every single person. Don't forget, I said that. There isn't anybody God doesn't say is a no count. Everybody counts to God. Every soul he wants in heaven. Every single one of them. But we're called to hate what he hates. For example, how many of y'all know Malachi 2.16? Here's what it says in the King James, New King James Version. For the, love of God of the, for the love of the God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Really, Christians are getting divorced just as fast as non-Christians. I'm sorry, I'm just saying it. Now we can be forgiven... But we don't make the attempt to live with our spouse like we should because God, we don't realize God hates divorce. He hates it. That's just a little, that's just a little sample. But here's the deal. 
We're supposed to hate what God hates. You know why? Because there's so many people living in the dark. Their lives are messed up. And they need the light. And we've been called the light of the world. And we're not speaking truth to the people living in dark, in the darkness. And we're called to do that. You see, look, people go, Jesus was so awesome. He did this, he healed this, he did. But what happened when Jesus went into the temple one day? You think Jesus didn't hate what was going on in his father's house? He turned over the money changers, tables, kicked out the people that were selling and buying. He had a zeal. He hated the sin of those people, and less than a week later, he died for those same people on the cross. Just like he did for me when I was living like that. How about you? He died for the people that he was angry with less than a week before. Can we do that? Can we forgive the people that did something to us the week before? Can we love them like Jesus when they've done something terrible to us? Or they've mocked God? Psalm 97.10. Listen to this one. Let those who love the Lord hate evil. For he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Think about that. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Are you afraid to go out and talk to an evil person? I'm going to tell you, if you've got the power of the Holy Spirit in you, God's going to protect you. He's going to protect you. I won't read these, but in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, God gives seven things he hates. It says that in the Bible. Here's seven things that God hates. Haughty eyes, lying tongues, all kinds. He says seven things in there. That's in the Bible. God hated? What do you mean? He hates? What? Yeah. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. Here's another partial list of some of the things that God considers as wicked and evil. So sit back. First of all, he's got ten commandments. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Idolatry. Loving your parents. He's got ten commandments. When you break them, he, he hates that. Says he hates drunkenness. Human sacrifice. We call it abortion, by the way. Sexual immorality. You know, porn follows in that. Adultery. We see it on television all the time. And we watch it. He despises homosexuality. He hates pride and arrogance. He hates cheaters. He hates cursing. He hates the greedy. So do we hate those, do we hate those things? We're supposed to hate what God does. But we're watching it all the time on TV and we don't say anything to anybody about it. We have to be sincere when we try to be like Jesus. So how can we be? 
Because we have the power to do it. We have the power to be sincere when we wrap your arms around a sinner and tell them we love them. We have the power. You know why? Here's the deal. We're all sinners too. Many of us actually, if we were honest, we're doing a lot of the same things. Maybe cursing. Maybe we've told a little lie. Little lies is bad as bad as a big lie to God. So how can we come down on everybody else when we got the log in our eye, right? Romans 12, 9 says this, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling, but cling to what is good. Now wait a minute. Love's supposed to be sincere, but I got to hate evil. I got to love, but I got to hate evil. And this person's doing all this bad stuff. So how can, I, how can I talk to this person in love when they're doing this evil stuff, and how can I cling to what is good? Let me tell you what's good. This. This is good. And when you use this, when you're talking to someone that's living in evilness and wickedness, God takes care of it. God takes care of it. So I get on a plane, coming back from Denver, and back in the day, I had kind of a priority number where I could get on like first or second or whatever. I wasn't first class, I was always second class, you know, sometimes third class to some people. Anyway, but I get on the plane, and I'm sitting down, and I've got my book that I'm going to read, and uh, I'm reading a book called Radical. I don't know if anybody's read it by David Platt. I'm reading this book. And the plane's filling up, filling up, and I'm like, I'm looking over on the two-seat side, and I'm on the aisle, and uh, it's almost packed, and I'm like, oh, this could be great, man. Maybe no one's going to sit here. I'm going to be able to stretch out. No, that doesn't happen. So this young girl, probably 20, 25, comes down the aisle. She stops right by me, and she said, I've got that seat there. I get up and move and let her go in, and she sits down, takes her purse, throws it under the seat, looks out the window, crosses her arms. She's mad, dude. And I look at her. I'm trying to put my book up here so I don't, you know, don't have to talk to her. And the Lord speaks to me through the Holy Spirit, and he said, she's gay. You need to love her. Wait a minute. She's living in evil, dude. And God says, you need to love her? Okay, so I'm sitting there reading my book, and she looks over and sees my book, and she goes, radical, what, you some radical dude? And I looked over and said, oh, no, this is a Christian book. She goes, oh, I hate Christians. And so I put the book down, and I turned toward her. I said, what's your name? She said, Amy. I said, Amy, why do you hate Christians? And she said, they are so judgmental, I can't stand it. And I said, you're right. She said, what? I said, Christians can be judgmental. Non-Christians can be judgmental. People love to judge other people to make themselves better than that other person. But I think what you're trying to tell me, Amy, is that a Christian should know better, and you're right. Because the Bible says, don't judge, at least you be judged. In the same measure that you judge others, God's going to judge you. And she goes, looks at me, she goes, wow, that's what the Bible says? I said, yeah. So you're right. A Christian shouldn't judge. But here's the difference. 
if your true Christian judges you, that Christian can ask for forgiveness from the Lord God for judging Amy today and hopefully run into you and ask you for forgiveness. But a non-Christian doesn't care. And she looked at me and she went, hmm. Looked out the window. I got my book. I thought I was free. <sighs> Freedom. No. She turned to me before we even took off and she said, you sound like somebody I can talk to. And I put my book down right away. I turned and faced her and I said, she said, what's your name? I said, Gary. She said, Gary, let me ask you a question since you're a Christian. And I said, okay. She said, I want to know what you think about abortion. And I said, it doesn't matter what I think. Well, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm just a dude. I mean, it doesn't matter what I think, but it matters what God thinks. And she said, well, what does God think? And I said, would you humor me a little bit? She goes, what? And I go, would you read about what God thinks instead of having some guy tell you? And she said, yes, praise God. And I pulled my Bible out, and I gave her three scriptures, and she handed it back, and her eyes are about this big. She goes, wow. I said, that's what God thinks. Not Gary, God. I just happened to follow him. <laughs> so I get my book, and I'm reading, and we take off, and we're just barely climbing, and she turns to me again. She says, I need to ask you something else. I said, okay. She said, I want to know, since you're a Christian, what do you think about homosexuality? I said, it doesn't matter what I think. She goes, okay. What's he think? I said, will you read it? And she said, yes. And I gave her some pretty hard scripture. And she handed it back to me and went, oh, my goodness. I said, that's God. You see, when we get persecuted, it's God they're persecuting. Y'all got that? They're not per persecuting us. They're persecuting God. So don't take it personal. So I sat back, and I thought, hopefully that's it. But no, I said, I, I, she's going to do something else. So I didn't even get my book. I just sat there. We leveled off. She turns to me, and she goes, I need to ask you another question. I said, okay. She goes, here's the question. Since you're a Christian, how do you handle homosexuality? Oh, my goodness. What would you say? And I looked at her, and I said, well, I used to not handle it very well, and I've got some really close people I know that are gay. I said, but God's taught me something over the years. And she said, what's that? I said, well, Amy, if you ever get a Bible and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's when Jesus was walking on the face of the earth. And a lot of Christians like to recite John 3.16. She said, what is that? So I recited it. And I said, but they forget John 3.17. She said, what's that? And I said, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son into the world to save the world through Christ. And I said, when I learned that, I can't go out and condemn anybody. So my job is to love. And she's like, wow, well, here's the deal. Amy and I talked about Jesus all the way back to Dallas-Fort Worth. And we got to the airport, pulled in, and I got up, and I'm standing in the aisle because I'm a very impatient person. I'm already standing there. I got my bag here and everything. And Amy moves over to my seat and grabs me by the sleeve and pulls me down. She goes, I need to tell you something. I said, what? She goes, I'm a lesbian. I said, I know. God told me. <laughs> what? I said, the Holy Spirit told me you were gay and he told me to love you. And I leaned over and I said, and I love you, Amy. And, I, and she looked at me and, and, and then I said, but God told me to tell you something and I haven't done it. She goes, well, go ahead and tell me. And I leaned over so no one could hear. I said, God loves you more than any woman's ever going to love you. 
or any man's going to love you. He loves you so much, he wants to transform your life like he did mine. I told her my story. I was a drinker, womanizer, did all kind of crazy stuff. You know, when we got off that plane, we're standing in DFW airport with thousands of people walking past us. And Amy said, thank you for talking to me, Gary. And I said, thank you for reading the word of God. And we said our goodbye. She had another flight to catch, and I was going home. And I turned right. She turned left. She took about five steps. I took about five steps. She turns around and comes running up to me and grabs me and says, can I ask you for one more favor? And I said, yeah. And she said, would you hug me? I'm hugging an evil person. No, I'm not. I'm hugging a person that Satan has put in bondage. I'm hugging someone that God loves. And I'm calling myself a Christian. And I have to love that woman, and I did. And I want you guys to understand, it wasn't easy at first, but after that girl, I could, I could talk to anybody. I don't know how much time I got. Oh, plenty. I got five more stories. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, listen. 78% of all women that are gay have been sexually or physically abused by someone, normally a relative. And we want to jump down their throat. We got to love like Jesus loves. But we need to know what Jesus says about, and God says, about hate. Because he only hates what's against him, what's unholy. But he doesn't hate a soul, not one person. And when we really get that inside of us as Christians, we can talk to anyone, a drug dealer, a murderer, anyone. No one's going to come to Christ unless a Christian goes and talks to him. No one. So I'm coming home late one day in the afternoon. It's 2 o'clock, and a lot of times Carl and I are working a lot, and, and we lose track of time. We hadn't had lunch and so I called Carla, and I said, I'm almost to town. Have you had lunch? And she said, no, I haven't had lunch yet. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, why don't you go ahead and call Rio Mambo and order something? I'm almost there anyway. Just order it, and I'll wait for the food, and I'll bring it home. So I get to Rio Mambo, and uh, I walk in, and I tell the – and when they serve uh, – when you get something for, to go at Rio Mambo in the afternoon, you have to pick it up in the bar. So I had four or five drinks. No, I didn't have any. I'm just kidding you. So I go in the bar, and I tell the uh, bartender that my, I've got it to go order. My wife just called it in. It's going to be a while. She says, well, have a seat. I'll get you a drink. I said, I want some iced tea. Okay. So she gets me some iced tea. But I look over, and I notice there's one person in the bar, about a 35-year-old woman. She's sitting there with a triple shot glass, about this tall, full of vodka. And I was actually walking towards sitting down, and I saw her drink that whole thing, and sit it down. So I went over and sat one seat between us. I sat down, and she sat it down, and she looked at the bartender. The bartender said, you need another one? She goes, yeah. Pours her another one, and the Holy Spirit says, ask her if she's having a bad day. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> ask her if she's having a bad day. What? So, I looked over and I said, having a bad day? And she looks at me and she goes, no, I'm having a bad life. 
And I said, well, what's your story? You mind telling me your story? And she goes, you want to hear my story? I said, yeah. And she said, well, I married the love of my life when I was 25 years old. And I said, oh, praise God. She said, yeah, we had a little girl. And five years into the marriage, my husband got cancer and died. And that's when I started drinking. She looked me square in the face and she said, and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm engaged to be married. But my, my boyfriend basically told me last night, if I don't stop drinking, you see, he's a Christian. If I don't stop drinking, we're not getting married. And I said, and here you are drinking. She said, like I said, I'm an alcoholic. And I said, well, I was pretty close to that. Well, I was, that day I was pretty dressed up. I mean, I had nice slacks on, nice shirt. She looked at me and she goes, you? You used to be like that? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I used to be like that. And this is what she said. What changed? Praise God she said that. I said, you want to know what changed? Let me tell you my story. And when I got done, I said, can I pray for you? And I, put my, I said, can I put my hand on your shoulder? And when I started to put my hand on my shoulder, she just grabbed a hold of me. And she wept, and I wept. I don't know what happened. But I pray to God. I told her how God took alcohol out of me. All I had to do was make a commitment that I didn't want it anymore, and I asked God to take it away, and he did. I don't ha- that doesn't happen to everybody. A lot of people have to go to AA or have to go to something and get help. I don't know why God did that for me, but praise God, I thank him for that. He took it away from me, took it out away from me. I don't know what happened to her, but I do know this. I hugged her. I left. I had my, the bartender gave me my food. I walked over to the door. I'm getting ready to push the door and go out of Rio Mama. The bartender comes up, grabs him by the arm, says, I'm not much help to her. I said, no, you're not. She goes, I'm going in there and quit my job. Come on. Must be a coincidence, Nathan. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, right? Think about it. If my people, us, are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Who are we to think everyone else is evil in this world? I've been saved, and I still have bad thoughts about the guy that cuts me off in traffic. And I might say something. Every one of us has sin. And I don't care how small you think it is, it's sin. But here's the thing that I found out most of the time, 95% of the time, that person's been hurt. Either by the, a person, maybe even by the church, maybe, I, I don't know, but 95% of the time, they've been hurt. When I taught in Godly, Texas for three years, it went from four kids to 60 right before COVID, and 48 of those kids did not have a dad at home. That hurts. We need men to stay married. We need men to stay in the house. We need men to love their wives like Jesus loves the church. We need men to love their children and bring them up to know Jesus Christ. We need to get rid of all that stuff in our culture. If men will rise up, women will jump on the track with them. we got to rise up.
we got to rise up. God called us. He called Adam. Remember, when Eve ate the fruit, Adam was standing with her. He could have said no, and he didn't. So we got to rise up. So, this rope represents your entire life. It's your lifeline. It's pretty long, isn't it? Wow. Y'all see this red? This, it's actually bright pink because I thought it was pretty. This red on the end of this rope represents your life on earth. This represents the rest of your life, the eternal life where you're going to end up And you determine where you end up with this. Heaven or hell, what's your decision? But this this little space here, so many people are living in the dark in this space. And they only have so many years. Everybody in here that knows Jesus Christ is living in the light. And we want more people in the light. And we only have this many years. Because, see, we're going to stand before Jesus someday and give an account of what we've done. Not that we've been saved, but what did we do? What did we do for his kingdom? Who did we love for his kingdom? Who did we lead to Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit? We only have that much time, y'all. I'm 65. I know I look 48. No, I'm 65. All right, so he's laughing. He's 84, you know. No, I did have a lady at the store one time told me I was only old as I feel, and I got mad and told her I wasn't 108. Anyway, listen, guys, it's important. I mean, time is short. This is short. And I don't want to stand up in front of Jesus and go, I did nothing for you. How about y'all? You know, Pastor Mark has said many times, doesn't bother him to have a prostitute come to our church. Doesn't have a problem with a drug addict coming to our church. Doesn't have a problem with anyone living in sin to come to our church because this is where they're going to find Jesus. But they're not going to come through the door unless somebody invites them. They're not just going to walk through that door Unless you talk to them, unless somebody talks to them. And that's the challenge tonight. The challenge is to hate what God hates. Get into the Bible and find out and start, stop loving what everybody else is doing in the world because people that love the world don't love God. That's what the Bible says. That's not Gary. I, think, I hope that most of the things I said tonight wasn't me. And I hope you don't think I'm anything in these stories I told because the Holy Spirit of God led every single thing I ever said. He discerns what to say, right, Ken? He discerns what to say when you're in front of people. You can't do it. 
There's no way you'll say the right thing without the power of the Holy Spirit telling you what to speak. He's your speaker. I'm telling you right now, you can't go wrong when you let the Holy Spirit speak. But if you don't know the Bible and you don't know what's evil and what's wicked, get in the Bible and find out and read it. Because there's so many of us, me included, that for years watched all kinds of stuff on TV we shouldn't be watching. Teenagers' biggest problem is porn right now. There's so much porn out there. There's just so much wickedness and evilness. The only way to conquer wickedness and evilness is be in the church and be in the Word. And have friends that love you too. My youth minister used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Well, it's the same with adults. I've got really good men friends. One of them sitting here tonight from Ohio. I got really good men friends that would hold me accountable. They see me get out of line, they'll say, hey, dude, that's not, you know, that's, you shouldn't be. Praise God for people like that. Let's pray.